0: Welcome to Alice Book Club. This podcast is basically like an online book club where I read aloud from the book we will be reading from. Like each week, we'll probably finish maybe eight or ten, eight to ten chapters. Then I'll ask you some questions, even though I know you're not, you know, you're the listeners. I'll ask you some questions. You might want to write them down and um, think about them, probably pause the video. And then I'll give you the answers, and at the end of each podcast episode, I'll give you like a small project to do. So, today I'm going to introduce the book we're going to be reading, and possibly read the first one or two chapters. So, without further ado, let us begin. The book we'll be reading is, drumroll please... The Mysterious Benedict Society. The Mysterious Benedict Society is an amazing book. It's a series of four. Um, Each book is about 500 pages. It's an action-packed, really adventurous book. It's about these four gifted children who have to go on this strange mission to save the world. It's a really, really good book. It might seem like it... When I explain that, it might have seemed like I'm just jumping from place to place, you know, I'm, like, skipping a lot, but that's literally, like, hard fact. It's a book about a mission, four gifted kids trying to save the world. Um, there's lots of surprises in the book. It's really action-packed. So while I read this, I would suggest you have your own copy. If you don't have your own copy right now, You can buy it from your local bookstore, and I'll include a link in the description below for the Amazon version. So, without further ado, I'm going to start reading chapter one. In a city called Stonetown, near a port called Stonetown Harbor, a boy named Rini Muldoon was preparing to take an important test. It was the second test of that day. The first had been in an office across town. After that one, he was told to come here, to the Monk building on 3rd Street, and to bring nothing but a single pencil and a single rubber eraser, and to arrive no later than 1 o'clock. If he happened to arrive late, or bring two pencils, or forget his eraser, or in any other way deviate from the instructions, he would not be allowed to take the test. And that would be that. Rini, who very much wanted to take the test, was careful to follow the instructions. Curiously enough, these were the only ones given. He was not told how to get to the Monk Building, for example, and had found it necessary to ask directions from the nearest bus stop, acquire a schedule from a dishonest bus driver who tried to trick him into paying for it, and walk several blocks to catch the third street bus. Not that any of this was difficult for Rini Muldoon. Although he was only 11 years old, he was quite used to figure things out himself. Somewhere from across the city, a church bell struck the half hour. 12.30. He stalled to wait. When he checked the doors of the Monk building at noon, they were locked. So, Greeny had bought a sandwich at a deli stand and sat down on this park bench to eat. A tall building in Stonetown's busiest district must surely have many offices inside, he thought. Locked doors at noon seemed a little peculiar. But then again, what hadn't been peculiar about this whole affair? To begin with, there was the advertisement. A few days before, Rini had been reading the newspaper over breakfast at the Stonetown Orphanage, sharing sections with his tutor, Miss Paramount. As Rini had already completed all the textbooks on his own, even those for high school students, the orphanage director had assigned him to a special tutor while the children went to class. Miss Paramel didn't know what to do with Rini either, but she was intelligent and kind. And in their time together, they had grown fond of sharing the morning newspaper over breakfast and tea. The newspaper that morning had been filled with the usual headlines, several of them devoted to what was commonly called the emergency. Things had desperately gotten out of control. The headlines reported. The school systems, the budget, the pollution, the crime, and the weather, why everything was in a complete mess. And sentences everywhere were clamoring for a major, no, a dramatic improvement in government. Things must change now, was the slogan plastered on billboards all over the city. It was a very old slogan. And although Reenie had rarely watched television, you know the emergency was the main subject of the news program every day as it had been for years. Naturally, when Renee and Miss Perlmell first met, they discussed the emergency at great length. Finding themselves quite in agreement about politics, however, they soon found such conversation boring and decided to drop the subject. In general, then, they talked about the other news stories, those that varied from day to day. And afterward, they amused themselves by reading the advertisements. Such was the case on that particular morning when Rini's life had taken such a turn. "'Do you care for more honey in your tea?' Miss Paramel had asked, speaking in Tamil, a language she was teaching him. But before Rini could answer that, "'Of course he wanted more honey in his tea,' The advertisement caught Miss Permel's eye, and she explained, "Reenie, look at this. Would you be interested?" Miss Permel sat across the table from him, but Renee, who had no trouble reading upside down, quickly scanned the advertisement's bold printed words. "Are you a gifted child looking for special opportunities?" How odd, he thought. The question was addressed directly to children and not to their parents. Reenie had never known his parents, who died when he was an infant, and it pleased him to read a notice that seemed to take in the possibility into account but still how odd how many children read the newspaper after all really did but he would always been alone in this had always been considered an oddball if not for miss permel he might have even given up by now to avoid some of the teasing i suppose i might be interested he said to miss permel if you think i might qualify miss permel gave him a wry look don't you play games with me, Rainy Mildoon. If you aren't the most talented child I've ever known, then I've never known a child at all. There were to be several ses- sessions of the test administered over the weekend. They made plans for Rainy to attend the first session. Unfortunately, on Saturday, Miss Paramel's mother fell ill and Missus Permell couldn't take him. This was a real disappointment to Rainy and not just because of the delay. He always looked forward to Miss Paramel's company. Her laughter, her wry expressions, the stories she told her, often in Tamil, of her childhood in India. Even the occasional sighs she made when she didn't think he was aware. They were gentle and lilting, these sighs, and despite their melancholy, Rainy really loved to hear them. Miss Paramal sighs when she was feeling sad for him, he knew. Sad to see his, him teased by the other children. Sad the poor boy had lost his parents. And Rini wished he hadn't worried her, He didn't, but he did like knowing she cared. She was the only one who did, not counting Seymour, the orphanage cat, with whom Rini spent the day in the reading room. And he only wanted to be petted. Quite apart from his eagerness to take the special test, Rini simply missed Miss Purimel. He was hopeful, then, that when Mr. Recker, the orphanage director, informed him that late that evening, Miss Perlmel's mother was considerably improved. Rebini was in the reading room again, the only place in the orphanage where he could be assured of solitude. No one else ever ventured into it. In Freedom of Persecution, at dinner, an older boy named Vic Mowergroff had tormented Riemi for using the word enjoyable to describe the book he was reading. Vic thought it too fancy a word to be proper, and it soon got the entire table laughing and saying enjoyable in mocking tones until Rini had finally excused himself without dessert and retreated here. Yes, yes, she's much better, said Mr. Recker, through a mouthful of cheesecake. He was a thin man with a thin face, and his cheeks positively bulged as he chewed. Miss Perlmell phoned with the news. She asked for you, but as you were not to be found in the dining hall, I was in the middle of dinner. I took the message for you. Thank you, said Rini, with a mixture of relief and disappointment. Cheesecake was his favorite dessert. (laughs) I'm glad to hear it. Indeed, nothing like health. "'Absolutely nothing like it. Best thing for anyone,' said Mr. Rucker. "'But here he paused in his chewing, with an unpleasant, worried expression upon his face, "'as if he had possibly there had been an insect in his food. "'Finally he swallowed, brushed the crumbs from his waistcoat, and said, "'But see here, Rene, Miss Perlmel mentioned a test of some sort. "'Special opportunities,' she said. "'What's this all about? This isn't about attending an advanced school, is it?' "'They had been through this before.' Rainy had repeatedly asked permission to apply elsewhere, but Rutger, Mr. Rutger insisted that Reni would fare better with a tutor than at some advanced school. Here you are comfortable, Mr. Rutger had told him more than once. And more than once, Rene had thought, here I'm alone. But in the end, Mr. Rutger had his way and Miss Permal was hired. It had proved a blessing. Rene would never complain about Miss Permal. Still, he had often wondered what life might have been like at a school where the other students didn't find him so odd. I don't know, sir, Rini said, his hopefulness slipping into dejection. He wished Miss Permo hadn't mentioned the test, though of course she must have felt obliged to. We just wanted to see what it was about. Mr. Rucker considered this. Well, no harm in seeing what things are about, I suppose. I should like to know what it's about myself say why don't you prepare a report for me when you return say ten pages no hurry you can turn it in tomorrow evening tomorrow evening does that mean i'm taking the test i thought i told you said mr rucker with a frown miss perma will come for you first thing in the morning he took out an embroidered handkerchief and blew his nose with great ferocity "'And now, Rini, I believe I'll leave you to your reading. "'This dusty room is a hardship on my sinuses. "'Be a good man and run a feather duster over the shelves before you leave, will you?' "'After hearing this news, Rini could hardly return to his reading. "'He flailed about with a feather duster and went straight to bed, "'as if doing so would hasten the morning's arrival. "'Instead, it lengthened the night, for he was too far eager and anxious to sleep.' "'Special opportunities,' he kept thinking over and over again. He would have been thrilled to get a crack at plain old regular opportunities, much less special ones. Just before dawn, he rose quietly, got ready with the lights off so as not to disturb his roommates. Often they snarled at him for reading in bed at night, even when he used a tiny pen light under the covers, and hurried down to the kitchen. Miss Perlma was already waiting for him. She had been too excited to sleep as well, and had arrived early. The kettle was beginning to whistle on the stove, and Miss Perlmell, with her back to him, was setting up cups and saucers. "'Good morning,' Miss Perlmell said froggily. He cleared his throat. "'I was glad glad to hear your mother's doing better.' "'Thank you, Rainy. Would you—' Miss Perlmell turned then and took one look at him and said, "'You'll not make a good impression dressed like that, I'm afraid. One mustn't wear striped pants with a checkered shirt, Rainy." In fact, I believe those also must b- belong to a roommate. They're a size, at least a size too big. Also, it appears that one of your socks is blue and the other is purple. Ray looked down at in surprise. Usually he was the least noticeable of boys. He was of average size, of an average play come- complexion. His hair was of average length, and he wore average clothes. This morning, though, he would stand out in a crowd. Unless it happened to be a crowd of clowns. He grinned at Miss Permal and said, I dress this way for luck. Luckily, you won't need luck, said Miss Purmel, taking the kettle from the stove. Now please go change, and this time turn on your light, never mind how your roommates rumble, so that you may have better luck choosing your clothes. When Rainy returned, Miss Purmel told him that she had a long errand to run. Her mother had been prescri- pre- prescribed a new medicine and a special diet, so Miss Permal must go shopping for her so it was agreed that she would take him to the test and pick him up when it was over. After a light breakfast, neither of them wanted more than toast. Yet well before anyone in the orphanage has risen, Miss Peramal drove him across the sleepy building to an office building near Snowtown Bay. A line of children already stood at the door, all of them accompanied by their parents, fidgeting nervously. When Miss Peramal moved to get out of the car, Renee said, I thought you were just dropping me off. You would think I'd leave you without investigating first, did you? Miss replied. Miss Purimow. The notice didn't even list a telephone number for questions. It's a bit out of the ordinary, don't you think? So Rini took his place at the end of the line while Miss Purimow went inside the building to speak with someone. It was a long line, and Rini wondered how many special opportunities were available. Perhaps only very few. Perhaps they would all be given out before he even reached the door. He was growing anxious as idea when a friendly man ahead of him turned and said, Don't worry, son, you won't have long to wait. The children are supposed to go inside together in a few minutes. They made the announcement just before you arrived. Renee thanked him gratefully, noticing as he did that a number of parents were casting grumpy looks at the man, apparently liking the disliking the notion of being friendly to competitors. The man, embarrassed, turned away from Rini and said nothing else. Very well, Miss went said Miss Paramel when she returned. Everything is said. You may call me on their telephone when you finish the test. Here's the number. If I'm not back by then, simply call the taxi, and Mr. Rucker will pay the fare. You can tell me all about it this afternoon. Thanks so much for everything, Miss Paramel, said Reenie earnestly taking your, her hand. Oh, Reenie, you silly child, don't look so grateful, said Miss Perlmel. To Reenie's surprise, there were tears on her cheeks. It's nothing at all. Now give your poor tutor a hug. I imagine my services won't be needed after this. I haven't passed it yet, Miss Permal. Oh, stop being silly, she said. And after squeezing him tightly, Miss Permal dabbed her eyes with a handkerchief and walked determinedly to her car, and drove away just as the children were ushered into the building. It was a curious test. The first section was rather what would was expected. One or two questions regarding octagons and hexagons, another devoted to the bushels of this kilograms of that, and another required calculating how much time bus- must pass before two speeding trains collided. This last question, Rene answered with a thoughtful frown, noting in the margin that since the two st- trains were approaching each other on an empty stretch of track, it was likely the engineers would recognize the impending disaster and apply their brakes, thus avoiding the collision altogether. Rene raced through these questions, and many liked them. And then came to the second section, whose first question was, do you like to watch television? This certainly was not the sort of question Rini had expected. It was only a question of preference. Anyway, of course he liked to watch television. Everybody liked to watch television. As he started to mark down the answer, however, Rini hesitated. Did he really? The more that he thought about it, he realized he didn't, in fact, like to watch television at all. I really am an oddball, he thought, with a feeling of disappointment. Nonetheless, he answered the question truthfully. No. The next question said, do you like to listen to the radio? And again, Rini realized that he did not, although he was sure everyone else did. With a growing sense of isolation, he answered the question. No. The third question, thankfully, was less emotional. It read, what is wrong with the statement? How funny, Rini thought, and marked his own... And marking his answer down, he felt somewhat cheered. It isn't a statement at all. It's a question. The next page showed a picture of a chessboard upon which all the pieces and pawns in their starting positions, except for a black bun, which is advanced two spaces. According to the rules of chess, is this position possible? Rini studied the board for a moment, scratched his head, and then wrote down his answer yes. After a few more pages of questions, all of which Rini felt confident he had answered correctly, he arrived at the test's final question. Are you brave? Just reading the words quickened Rini's heart. Was he brave? Bravery had never been required of him, so how could he tell? Miss Peramal would say he was. She would point out how cheerful he tried to despite to to be, despite feeling lonely, how patiently he withstood the teasing of other children, how he was always eager for a good challenge. But these things only show that he was good natured, polite, and often bored. Did they really show that he was brave? He didn't really think so. Finally he gave up trying and decided to simply write I hope so. He laid down his pencil and looked around. Most of the other children were also finishing the tests. At the front of the room, munching rather loudly on an apple, the test administrator was keeping a close eye on them to ensure they didn't cheat. She was a thin woman in a mustard yellow suit with a yellowish complexion, short-cropped hair, red, short-cropped red rusty hair, and a stiff posture. She reminded Rini of a giant walking pencil. Pencils, the woman called out suddenly, as if she had read his thoughts. The children jumped in their their seats. Please lay your pencils down now, the pencil woman said. The test is over. But I'm not finished, one child cried. That's not fair. I want more time, cried another. The woman's eyes narrowed. I'm sorry you haven't finished, children, but the test is over. Please pass your papers to the front of the room and remain seated while the tests are graded. Don't worry, it won't take long. As the tests were passed forward, Rini heard the boys behind him snicker and say to his neighbor, If they couldn't finish that test, they couldn't have even they shouldn't have even come. Like that chess question. Who could have missed it? They were trying to trick us. Pawns can only move one space at a time, so of course the position wasn't possible. I'll bet some stupid kids didn't know that. Ha, huh, you're lucky you didn't miss it yourself. Pawns can move two spaces. On their very first move they can. But whether it moved one space or two space is always the point. Don't you know that white always moves first? The black pawn couldn't have moved at all. It's so simple. This test was for babies. Are you calling me a baby? Growl. <coughs> Excuse me. The other. You boys there. snapped the pencil, Roman. Stop talking. Rini was suddenly anxious. Could he possibly have answered that question wrong? And what about the other questions? Except for the odd ones about television and bravery. They'd seemed easy, but perhaps he was a strange bird and that he had misunderstood he- everything. He shook his head and tried not to care. He wanted to prove himself brave, after all. He'd better stop worrying. If he must return to his old routine at the orphanage, at least he had missed Permel. What did it matter if he was different from the other children? Everyone got teased from time to time. He was no different in that respect. When he told himself this, but his anxious feeling didn't fade. After all the tests had been turned in, the Pence woman stepped out of the room, leaving the children only to bite their nails and watch the clock. Only a few minutes passed, however, and before she returned and announced, I shall now read the names of the children admitted into the second phase of the test. The children began to murmur. A second phase? The advertisement hasn't mentioned a second phase. The woman continued. If your name is called, you are to report to the Monk building on 3rd Street no later than 1 o'clock, where you will join the children from other sessions who also pass the test. She went to lay out the rules about pencils, erasers, and disqualification. She popped a handful of the peanuts into her mouth and chews ferociously, as if she were starving. Rini raised his hand. <clears throat> yes, said the woman, swallowing "'Excuse me, but you say you were only to bring one pencil, but what if the pencil lead breaks? "'Will there be a pencil sharpener?' "'Again, the boy behind Rini snickered, and this time muttered, "'What makes him so sure he'll be taking that test? She hasn't even called the names yet.' "'It was true. He should have waited until she called the names. "'He must have seemed very arrogant. Cheeks burning. Rini ducked his head. "'The pencil woman answers, "'Yes. If a sharpener should become necessary, one will be provided.' Children are not to bring their own, understood? There was a general nodding of their heads, after which the woman clapped the peanut grit from her hands, took out a sheet of paper, and continued. Very well, if there are no other questions, I shall read the list. The room became very quiet. Rener Muldoon, the woman called. Rini's heart leaped. There was a grumble of discontent from the seat behind him, but as soon as it passed, the room again grew quiet, and the children waited with bated breath for the other names to be called. The woman glanced up from the sheet. That is all, she said a matter-of-factly, folding the paper and tucking it away. The rest of you are dismissed. Dismissed, said the boy behind Rini. Dismissed? As the children filed out the door, some weeping bitterly, some stunned, some whining in complaint, Rini approached the woman. For some reason, she was hurrying around the room, checking window locks. "'Excuse me, miss, may I use your telephone?' My tutor said, "'I'm sorry, Rienard,' the woman interrupted. "'I'm afraid there isn't a telephone here.' "'But, Miss Permel, Rienard,' the woman said with a smile, "'I'm sure you can make do with that one, can't you? "'Now, if you'll excuse me, I must sneak out the back door.' These windows appear to be patient shut. Sneak out? Why? I've learned from experience. Any moment about, some of these children's parents will come in storming, demanding explanations. Unfortunately, I have none to get them. Therefore, off I go. I'll see you this afternoon. Don't be late. And with that, she went away. It had been a strange business indeed, and really had suspicion it was to grow stranger still. While the distant church... Bell struck the quarter hour. Reaney finished his sandwich and rose from the park bench. If the doors to the monk building were weren't open by now, he would try to find another way in. At this point, it would hardly surprise him if he must enter the building through a basement window. As he mounted the steps to the monk building, monk building's broad front plaza, he saw two girls ahead of him walking toward the front doors. Other test takers, he guessed. One girl who seemed to have green hair, though perhaps this was a trick of the light. The sun shone shinily bright today, was carelessly flinging her pencil up in the air and catching it again. Not the best idea, Renee thought. And sure enough, as even as he thought it, the girl missed the pencil and watched it fall through the gray at her feet. For a moment, the other girl hesitated, as if she might try to help. Then she checked her box. watch. In a, only a few minutes, it'll be one o'clock. Sorry about your pencil, it's a shame. She said, but her sympathetic expression was already fading. Clearly, it had occurred to the green haired girl she'd be unable to take the test. There would be less competition. With a spreading smile, she hurried across the pal- plaza and through the front doors of the Monk building, which had been finally unlocked. The metal gray covered a storm train that ran beneath the plaza, and the fortunate girl was staring through it. She, her appearance was striking. She had coal black skin, hair so long she could have tied it around her waist. And yes, it truly was green. An extraordinary fluffy white dress that gives you the impression she was standing on a cloud. That's rotten luck, Greenie said, to drop your pencil here, of all places. The girl looked up at him with hopeful eyes. You don't happen to have an extra one, do you? I'm sorry, I was only told to bring... I know, I know. Only one pencil. Well, that was my only pencil, and a fat lot of good it will do me down that train. She stared wistfully through the grate for a moment, and then looked up at Rini, surprised to see him still standing there. What are you waiting for? The test starts any minute. I'm not going to leave you without a pencil. I was surprised your friend did. Oh, that other girl? She's not my friend. We just met at the bottom of the steps. I don't even know her name. For that matter, I don't know yours either. Rainer and You can call me Rini. Okay, Rini. Nice to meet you. I'm Rana Kazem. Kazem. "'Now that we're friends and all that, how do you intend to get my pencil back? "'We'd better hurry. One minute late, and we're disqualified.' "'Rini took out his own pencil, a new number two, yellow number two, "'that he'd sharpened to a fine point that morning. "'Actually,' he said, "'we'll just share this one.' "'He snapped the pencil in two and handed her the sharpened end. "'I'll sharpen my half, and we'll both be set. Do you have your eraser?' Rhonda Kazem was staring at her with half of the pencil, "'with a mixture of gratitude and surprise.' That would have never occurred to me, she said, breaking it like that. Now, what did you say? Oh, yes, I have my eraser. Then let's get going. We only have a minute, Rene urged. Rhonda, hold back. Hold on, Rini. I have a properly thankful you. You're welcome, he said impatiently. Now let's go. Still, she resisted. No, I really want to thank you. If it weren't for you, I couldn't have taken this test. And you want to know something? Glancing around to be sure they were alone, Rhonda whispered, I have the answers. I'm going to make a perfect score. What? How? No time to explain. But if you sit behind me, you can look over my shoulder. I'll hold up my test a bit to make it easier. Green was stunned. How in the world could this girl have gotten her hands on the answers? And now she was offering to help him cheat? He was briefly tempted. He wanted to desperately learn about those special opportunities. But when he imagined returning to tell Miss Permel of his success, hiding the fact that he cheated, he knew he could never do it. No, thank you. I'd rather not. Rhonda Kazem looked amazed, and Rene once again felt the weight of loneliness upon him. If it was unpleasant to feel so different from the other children at Stovetown Orphanage, how worse was it to be seen as an odd-bubble at a green-haired girl wearing her own personal fog bank? Okay, suit yourself, said Rhonda. As the two of them started for the front doors, I hope you know what you're in for. Rene was too much in a hurry to respond. He had no idea what he was in for, of course, but he certainly wanted to find out. Inside the monk building, conspicuously posted signs let them down a series of corridors past a room where a handful of parents waited anxiously, and at last into a room crowded with children in desks. Except for the unusual silence, the room was just like any other schoolroom, with a chalkboard at the front and a teacher's desk which rested upon a pencil sharpener, a ruler, and a sign that said, No talking. If you are caught talking, it will be assumed that you are cheating. Only two seats remained empty, one behind the other. To guarantee he wouldn't be tempted to cheat, Rini chose the one in the front. A clock on the w- a clock on the wall struck one as Veronica Zemba dropped into the desk behind him. That was close, she said. There will be no talking, boomed the pencil woman, who had just entered then slamming the door behind you. She strode briskly to the front of the room, carrying a large stack of papers and a jar of pickles. If any child is caught cheating, he- then he or she will be executed. The children gasped. <gasps> I'm sorry, did I say executed? I meant to say escorted. Any child caught cheating will be escorted from the building at once. Now then, are you all relaxed? It's very important to be relaxed when taking such an extremely difficult test such as this, especially considering how long it is and how very little time you're going to have to complete it. In the back of the room, someone groaned in distress. Ah! You there, shouted the pencil woman, pointing her finger. Every head in the room sw- swiveled to see what had grown. It was the same girl who had banned Rhonda Kazem on the plaza. Under the savage stare of the pencil woman, the girl- Okay, sorry about so that. Um, anyway, um, this thing stopped recording. So, I'll start again from the top of- page 19. It was the same girl who had abandoned Rana Kazem on the plaza. Under the savage stare of the pencil woman, the girl's face went pasty pale like the underbelly of a dead fish. I said, no, talking, the woman barked. Do you wish to leave now? But I only groaned, the girl protests. protested. The pencil woman frowned. Do you mean to suggest that saying, but I only groaned, doesn't count as talking? The girl frightened and perplexed could hardly muster a shake of the head very well let this be a warning to you to all of you from this moment on there will be no more talking period now are there any questions renee raised his hand Rini and Maldoon, you have a question renee held up his broken pencil and made a pencil sharpening motion with the other hand very well you may use the pencil sharpener on my desk Rini hustled forward, sharpening his pencil, and as he felt all eyes upon him as he ground away, checked the tip, ground away again, and slipped back to the seat. As he did so, he noticed Ronica Kazem slipping a tiny piece of paper from the sleeve of her cloud dress. The list of test answers. She was taking quite a risk, Rini thought, but he had no choice to reflect on it further, as the pencil woman now launched into the rest of her speech. You have one hour to complete this test she barked, and you must follow these directions exactly. First, write your name at the top of the test. Second, read all the questions and answer carefully. Third, choose the correct answers by circling the appropriate letter. Fifth, bring me the completed test to me. Sixth, return to your seat and wait until all the tests have been graded, at which time I will announce the names of those who will pass. The shift, the uh, children were shifting uneasily in their seats. What had happened to the fourth step? The pencil woman had skipped from third to fifth. The children looked at one another, not daring to speak. What if the fourth step was important? Greeny was waiting, hoping someone else would raise his hand for it, their hand for the change. When no one else did, he timidly raised his own. Yes, Reynard? He pointed to his mouth. Yes, you may speak. What is your question? Excuse me, but what about the fourth step? There is no fourth step, she replied. Any other questions? Utterly baffled now, the children held their tongues. To pass this test, the pencil woman went on, you must answer every question correctly, by which I mean every question. If you skip even one question or answer one incorrectly, you will fail the test. No problem, whispered Rhonda Kazem from behind Rini. The pencil woman's eyes darted to their side of the room. She stared hard at Rini, whose mouth went dry. Why an... Earth was Rhonda trying not trying to keep her mouth closed was she trying to get them thrown out you may begin the test as soon as you've received it said the pencil woman turning white last and Rini resisted the urge to sigh with the relief even a sigh might disqualify him besides what relief he felt didn't pass that last long the pencil woman had begun hang- handing out the test. The first child to receive was a tough-looking boy in a baseball cap who eagerly grabbed it, looked at the first question, and then burst into tears. The girl behind him looked at it, the test, rubbed her eyes as if they weren't working properly, and looked again. Her head wobbled on her neck. "'If you begin to feel faint,' said the pencil woman, moving on to the next child. "'Place your head between your knees and take deep breaths. If you think you may vomit, please come to the front of the room where a trash can will be provided.' Down the row she went, distributing the test. The crying boy had begun flipping to the test now. There appeared to be several pages, and with each new page, his sobs grew louder and more desperate. When he reached the end, yeah, end, he began to wail. "'I'm afraid loud weeping isn't permitted,' said the pencil woman. "'Please leave the room.' The boy, greatly relieved, leapt from his desk and raced the door, followed by two other children who hadn't received the test yet but were terrified to see it anyway. The pencil woman closed the door. If any others flee the room or pay it in panic or dismay, please remember to close the door behind you. Your sobs may disturb the other test takers. She continued handing out the tests. Child after child received it with trembling fingers, and child after child, upon looking at the questions, turned pale, red, or a subtle sh- uh, shade of green. By the time the pencil woman dropped the pages upon his desk, dread was making Rini's stomach flop like a fish. And for good reason, the questions were impossible. The first one read: "The territories of the Naxivin, Otomus Republic, and the Naragin Karabai region are distributed by what countries? A. Bhutan, B. Azerbaijan, C. Vanatu." Had, although there were two more answers to choose from, Rainy really didn't read them. If every question was like this, he had absolutely no hope of passing. A quick glance at the next few questions did nothing to encourage him. If anything, they got worse, and this was only the first page. All around him, children were shivering, sighing, and grinding their teeth. Rini felt like joining them. So much for those special opportunities. Back to the orphanage you would go, where no one, not even good Miss Purmel, would know what to do with him. It had been a nice idea, but apparently he did not have what it took. Even so, he wasn't ready to leave. He had to follow the directions because he was determined not to quit until he had at least tried. He proceeded to follow them now. Dutifully, he wrote his name at the atop the first page. That was the first step. Well, you've accomplished that much, he thought. The second step was to read all the questions and answers carefully. Remy took a deep breath. There were 40 questions in all, just reading them and taking most of the hour. It didn't help that the pencil woman sat eating pickles. They were especially crisp ones, too, as she watched the children struggle. The second question wanted to know where the common vetch agent, and which family it belonged to. Rini had no idea what a common vetch was, and the possible answers offered no helpful clue. It might be an antelope, a bird, a rodent, or a vine. Rini went on to the third question, which had not, which had to do with septomic parcels called fermions and an Indian physicist named Satterth. Thing and bows. The fourth question asked which church was built by the Emperor Justinian to demonstrate his superiority in the late Theodoric Ostic and successors. On and on the questions went, and to his credit, Rini recognized the names of a few places, a few mathematical principles, and one or two important historical figures. But it wouldn't do any good. He had been lucky to answer a single question correctly. "'Less all of them. "'When he was exactly halfway through the test, "'he was on question 20, "'regarding the difference between parataxis and hypotaxis. "'Rena heard Rhonda Kazemba rise from the seat behind him. "'Was she already finished? "'Well, of course, she had all the answers.' Rini grimaced in irritation, and as Rhonda stepped forward to turn in her test, the other children gasped in amazement. But the pencil woman seemed not the least a bit suspicious. If anything, she was absorbed in Rhonda's bizarre appearance, and hardly glanced at the test as she took it. Renie had a sudden insight. Rhonda was calling attention to herself on purpose. No, it was a trick. No one would suspect her cheating, because who in her right mind would make herself such a spectacle of herself, and she intended to cheat. The green hair, it must have been a wig. The poofy dress, the whispering, they were all meant to distract. Most people would assume that if a child intended to cheat, then surely she would call as little attention to herself as possible, and would be as quiet as a mouse, and as plain as wallpaper. Green had to hand it to Rana. She might have not been smart enough to pass the test, but she was clever enough to get away with cheating. Now Rhonda would move on to experience those special opportunities, while Rini would mope his way back to the orphanage, defeated. As Rhonda passed him on the way to her desk, she winked and let a, and let fall a tiny slip of paper. It drifted down like a feather and settled lightly upon Rini's desk. The test answers. Rini peeked over at the pencil woman, but she hadn't noticed. She was busy grading Rhonda's test now, making checkmark after checkmark and nodding her head. So the answers indeed were the right ones. And here they sat on his desk. He felt, he, if he had felt tempted before, when he would had no idea how hard the test would be, that temptation was nothing compared to now. No matter how much he resisted, no matter how much he'd chosen the seat precisely to avoid this situation, here he was, staring at a slip that contained the key to all his hopes. All he had to do was turn it over and look at the answers. The other children were too busy sniffling and biting his fingernails to notice, and if he heard, he might even copy the answers down before the pencil woman looked up again. She had finished grading Rhonda's paper and was concentrating on the nearly empty jar of pickles, trying to fish out the last one. Rini stared a long moment at the paper, sorely tempted. Then he reached out and flicked it from his desk onto the floor. What good would those opportunities do to him if he wasn't qualified to be given them? And where was the pleasure in cheating? If he couldn't pass fairly, he didn't want to pass. He thought this, and mostly believed it, and felt his spirits boosted by the decision. But even so, as a few seconds passed before he could tear his eyes from the paper on the floor, all right, he told himself. returning returned to the desk. Get him, go on, Rini, and don't look back. There's no time to waste. Less than half an hour remained, and Rini really had more than half the test to read. He had finished reading about the parataxes and hippotaxis. They had something to do with the writing or other futuristic transportation, but he couldn't decide which. And moved on to question 21, which read, At the fall of the Russian Empire, which failed in an attempt to create a terrorist republic with Georgia and Armenia, led to the creation of the country, Asturban, which currently disputes with the Armenia territories of the Ottomanist public, and the blah blah blah, with from what key powers did, Acerban. Rini stopped. Something about the question seemed awfully familiar. So familiar that he pressed to think about it. Hadn't he seen those names before? Flipping back to the beginning of the test, Rini read the first question again. The territories of the Nagravan automatists... Republic and the Nagorno-Karabakh region are disputed by what two countries? He blinked, hardly believing his eyes. Armenia and Azerbaijan. The question, the answer to the question one, was hidden in question twenty-one. This wasn't a test of knowledge at all. It was a puzzle. Rini looked at question twenty-two, which began: Despite having orinated in Europe, the vine, which is com- known as the common vest, a member of the pea family, is was widely. There it was, the answer to question 2, with mounting excitement. Rini read the next one, and sure enough, although the question itself made no mention of subatomic particles or Indian visits, there was a long discussion of them in answer D. Not only were all the answers buried in the test, they were listed in order. Number 1's answer was found in number 21, and vice versa. Number two's answer was found in number 22, and so on, all the way up to number 40, which cleared up the mystery of... Excuse me. Uh, Paratax and Hippo tax raised in question 20. Greeny was so delighted he nearly leapt from his desk and cheered. Still, he couldn't spare a moment to congratulate himself. R- time was running short. Eagerly, he set off to the task of finding the correct answers. This took a good while, as it was necessary to flip back and forth between the pages and read a great deal of text. And in the end, it took Greeny almost exactly one hour to finish the test. He had only just circled the last answer, placed the test on the pencil woman's desk, and looked around at the other children. Some were furiously circling numbers at ransom, hoping to get lucky. And some were not to be seen at all, having crept out of the room in bleak despair. When the pencil woman cried, pencils, time's up children, lay down your pencils, please. After a certain amount of blubbering and wiping away tears, the children stacked their tests on top of Rini's and returned to their seats in exhausted silence. As they waited, the pencil woman flipped through the tests. This took about a minute. She had only had to look at the first question, after all. When she came to the bottom of Rini's at the stack, at the bottom of the stack, she ran through the pages, making check marks and nodding. Nice work, Rhonda whispered from behind him. You managed it on your own. She seemed genuinely pleased that he hadn't cheated, despite having encouraged to do just that. She was certainly a strange one. I shall now read the names of those who have passed the test. If your name is called, will you please advance to the third stage of testing? Those who have not been called will um, leave the room. If you have, if your name has been called, please remain seated and, we'll re- and wait further instructions. Those whose names are not called are free to go. Rini's ears perked up. There was a third stage. The Pence woman cleared her throat, but this time she didn't bother looking at the paper in front of her. Reinerd Muldoon, she called out. On the, her way out of the room, she added, that is all. And that is all of chapter one. So, I hope you enjoyed chapter one. It was a little long. Now, I'm going to ask you a few questions. Um, after I ask the questions, you might want to pause this um, and write down your answers, and then I'll tell you the correct answers. So, what is Reenie's tutor's name? Where does Rini live? What did Rini answer to the question, Do you like to watch television? And finally, Did Rini pass all two stages of the test? Alright. Here are the answers. Check, Double check yourself to see if you're correct. Rini... Tutor's name is Miss Peramel. To the question, do you like television, he had answered no. He lives in Stonetown, near Stonetown Harbor. And finally, he did pass all two stages of the test, although there is one more, which is a third stage. Now, for this week's project, I would like you to write your own test, for this advertisement? What would you make it about? Would you like put questions like, do you like television or not? Or would you put questions more like the second phase of the test? I really hope you enjoyed this episode and have a great day. Bye.